Hello, I am Dom, your host here on Top of the List, here with my co-host RB. Say what's up. What's up, everybody? And we are here to talk about the much-anticipated finale of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Disney Plus original series that's been premiering in a six-part limited series. But we'll talk more about what the potential of the future of the show is at the end. First things first, we want to start off by giving you guys a spoiler warning. This is a big one. We don't want you guys to be spoiled. There's a lot of big stuff that happens in this final episode here of Kenobi. So we want you to go into the episode fresh, not knowing anything, be as surprised as we were, and then come back and join the discussion with us here on top of the list. So let's start things off with that spoiler in mind. Uh, I think this is a 10 out of 10 episode, RB. This is maybe one of the best episodes of TV I've seen in a while. Um, I do want to say, though, as my overall thoughts, I don't think I could give the show as a whole a 10 out of 10 because I do have some nitpicks. I do have some things that hold it back from being like, you know, you know, we always talk about Breaking Bad as a 10 out of 10 show in our book. You know, we really enjoy a lot of Breaking Bad. And um, we talk about like I like Avatar Last Airbender. That's a 10 out of 10 show for me. You know, there's there's some things in those shows that you can't really complain about. In this one, I had a couple things where uh, I could, you know, say, you know, one part of it was slow. There was one episode that was weak. So I'd probably give the show overall a 9.5 out of 10. But this finale, for me, as a Star Wars fan, you can't walk away from this finale not being satisfied to some level. This was really an amazing episode in my book. I'm interested to hear what you have to say, RB. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to slightly disagree with you here. Uh, I'm going to give this episode a 10 out of 10 and the show a 10 out of 10 as a whole. And here's why I disagree with you. I'll, I'll totally agree. Breaking Bad is a 10 out of 10. For me, you know, another 10 out of 10, Friday Night Lights. I think it's an incredible show. Looking at those shows, I can still have nitpicks here or there, which I definitely have about this show, and still give it a 10 out of 10. So I'm going to give this a 10 out of 10. I'm going to talk about my slight nitpicks. But to me still, you know, this was a must-watch show. And to me, the best project that Disney Plus has done on their streaming service to date. Yeah, so 10 I, out of 10 I agree with that. And this finale just put the cherry on top. I gave every episode out of 10, 10 out of 10, hit on the nostalgia points, and yet still added more to the Star Wars universe. So I have to give this show, this episode, bravo to Deborah Chow and her team, a 10 out of 10. Absolutely. So with our scores out of the way with our general thoughts out of the way let's break down the episode rb let's just go you know from the beginning to the end like we do from the bottom to the top of the list i mean <laughs> that we used to say that but i don't want to yeah. say that anymore <laughs> so anyways let's start at the beginning um obi-wan's on the run right and that's how this episode opens if i'm not mistaken and um you know darth vader's right on his tail the we get a lot of imagery reminiscent of a new hope right mm -hmm. very much so yeah and so we have darth vader's uh what, what are those things called why can't star destroyer star destroyer yep yeah so star destroyers right on the tail kind of like the star destroyers on the tail of the tentative iv at the beginning of a new hope In the absolute opening scene of star wars yes yep so and then of course we get some good uh scenes where uh i guess you know Darth Vader's like, give uh, full firepower and increase yeah. firepower. That was pretty mm -hmm. cool. Yeah. And then uh, on the ship, we see Leia and Obi-Wan, and the whole crew is there. Uh, Roken is Roken, there as yep. well. Roken, there. 
Haja's there and uh, all the other refugees. I guess we could just call them refugees. Yeah, I, I think that's, that's the right word. Yeah, the members of the path who have been helping transport anyone who's Force-sensitive. Exactly. And Roken alerts everybody that uh, the hyperdrive is down, but they're going to put all power to the shields and get it back up, and then they're going to get everyone to safety. Um, Obi-Wan knows that that's not going to happen, and he offers to stall for time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he knows, and that was proven in this last episode, that Vader could care less about the path and these refugees. He wants Kenobi, despite the Grand Inquisitor, as we see, saying, you know, we shouldn't back off from this. I forget the word he uses. It's not siege, but, you know, they're going after it. But we do see still that the Inquisitors are loyal to Vader, because once Obi-Wan takes the escape craft away... Darth Vader gives the command to follow Kenobi and the Inquisitor and everyone on the Star Destroyer follows Darth Vader's orders, uh, allowing Roken and the rest of these refugees to escape as Obi-Wan goes to this rocky planet. Now, at the same time, we also have Reva, who is... That's actually the first scene in the yeah, episode. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, on Tatooine. Yeah, Reva shows up on Tatooine. She, surprisingly okay for being stabbed in the stomach with a lightsaber. You know, and despite me giving this episode a ten out despite me giving this episode a ten out of ten, this is one of the few nitpicks I do have. Um, but like, I guess, like you were saying, RB, you know, you could give something a ten out of ten and have a few nitpicks. Yeah. But um, you know, I think some of the other episodes we'll talk about later outweigh this little nitpick that I have, and mm-hmm. that is that you know, number one, Riva does survive, kind of without explanation. I guess Star Wars just this just happens all the time. And of course, one thing that was happened with the Grand Inquisitor earlier this season. Yeah, it happened with the Grand Inquisitor, so I guess it's easy to accept. So I was okay with that. But one thing I was kind of confused about is the timing of everything. How the heck did she find a ship and get to Tatooine that quickly? And you know, Obi Wan, his storyline picks up right where you know maybe two minutes after the last episode ended. It seems like her. It would have taken her a lot longer to get to Tatooine. So that was something that was. Threw me off a little bit, but then Agreed. I got locked in again at once Obi-Wan was back on the screen. Yep. Yep, absolutely. Um, and what's her what's her mission here on Tatooine? I mean... Yeah, she, she has found out that Darth Vader at least has one offspring on Tatooine because of the left-behind hollow communicator. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's going after, uh, after his, Darth Vader's son as a revenge mission, as we later find out. Darth Vader killed all of her friends, and she's going to kill Darth Vader's child. Yeah, so I, I think we should just cover this entire storyline, and then we'll get back to everything with Obi-Wan and, okay. and delve into that. Yeah. So let's cover this storyline with Reva here. Um, as a whole, I feel like her character arc here felt a little off. You know, the whole through line of the whole show was leading up to her being killed by Vader, and I thought she should have just died right there. Yeah, yeah. You agree with that? I think this this storyline was extended simply to get because I think people expected in the trailers for Kenobi Luke and yeah. Owen and Baru to have more of a storyline, so we needed to wedge him in somehow in the finale. I fully agree with you there, and that's what they did here. And you know, despite it feeling like it was kind of like you said wedged in here a little bit, I'm fine with seeing it. I like seeing Joel Edgerton as yep. you know Owen, and I like seeing Baru, and I liked. Seeing the the Skywalker homestead, you know, back on Tatooine, that was all great. Young Luke Skywalker, 
didn't really have a chance to show off how close he could be to Mark Hamill as the way that, you know, the young Leia was able to show off how close she was to Carrie Fisher. Hmm. So a little unfortunate there that he didn't get his chance to shine. But with that said, um, this was an okay part of the episode for me. Um, Reva's attack was fine. But one thing I did like is it did explain why Uncle Owen has a limp in A New Hope. Yes. Yes, it does. Because he falls. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That being said, I, I think, as as we mentioned, yeah, Joel Edgerton, as well as, and I'm going to get the the name of the actress who plays Baru because I always forget it. I thought they were both excellent here. I thought they were, they were badass. We finally get to see them do something more than raise Luke and die in their home, which was what we see in A New Hope. And then I guess we see them very young in Attack of the Clones, too, correct? Correct, yeah. Uh, but it, yeah, it does was, add to their story. That. Yeah, yeah. I think they did a great job. Um, reprising their roles, right? Because these were both uh, characters that played the role in um, in Attack of the Clones in that appearance. Correct. Yeah, exactly. And like you said, it did it added to their characters, so now they're not as you know one dimensional. They did have a little bit of a backstory now. Yeah, and um, it's Bonnie Bonnie Piesi Pies as uh, Baru and Joel Edgerton, of course, as as Uncle Owen. There we go. So, um, in the end, you know. Reva living at the end of all of this and you know like Obi-Wan says at the end of the episode you're free now I'm free um I'm okay with it although I feel like maybe I would have been a little more satisfied like we said if she had died and and um but I, I'm I'm out I'm okay with it you know she didn't obviously it felt like I guess the word I'm searching for here is anticlimactic Right, because we know that she can't kill Luke, because then we wouldn't have any of these other Star Wars movies. And, and that comes to my biggest nitpick, not just of, of this series or the the Star Wars, uh, you know, series as a whole, but also just rewatching the prequels. My biggest nitpick about this: I love what they did with the prequels. I'm loving what they're doing with some of these shows, but there is, and as I'm watching it as an adult, as an adult rather than the first time I saw him as a kid in the theaters. There is less of an edge in these films. We know, despite, you know, watching the prequels that Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader, we know Anakin Skywalker and Obi-Wan Kenobi aren't gonna, going to die. Same here. We know that really Leia and Luke are in no danger because we know they're going to be in A New Hope. So as I go back and watch anything that's done in this vein of prequel, I felt the same way watching Black Widow for Colin to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's hard to watch a film now in my older years where I've watched the original and now we're jumping back in time where I know a character is going to survive. That being said, with the story, it kept me engaged, even though yes. I knew that Luke and Leia and Obi-Wan were never in real danger. Same, you know, really with Darth Vader. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it was, I think the, that you're onto something there, definitely, RB, because it's not really about, like you said, the suspense, the anticipation. It's more about building these characters, building out their backstory, giving them more of a history, yes. and that's what the real focus was. Yeah, and, and, and the answer yeah. is, are they going to do it well or not? And I think they did an excellent job here. Exactly, and you, you're right onto it. So they did a good job with that. So Luke's storyline in this one is fine. Um, let's talk about the main storyline here. Obi-Wan versus Darth Vader. I just want to say when, uh, you know, like you said, the Grand Inquisitor... It obviously protests Vader going after him, but he says Kenobi's all that matters, and they meet on this planet. Um, I personally think this is one of, if not the best fight in Star Wars history that we witnessed here. 
Yeah, I, I can't say I don't know that anything will top the lightsaber battle on Mustafar. Yeah, that, that's I amazing. Would, I would definitely put this right around the number two range. I had a, a few others that came to mind. Um, I, I think if we're not calling the lightsaber with battle at Mustafar intercut with sort of Yoda and the Emperor in Revenge of the Sith, I think that's right around here too. As well as um, I'm a big fan of Kylo Ren and uh, Ray. What's, what's her name? Ray. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, on the on the wave planet, the water planet, where they're out on the the ruins of an old star destroyer. But I would put it in that range, number two, just behind the lightsaber battle at Mustafar. This is incredible. The dialogue is just enough that you don't lose the fight, but you keep the story going. That was uh, a lot of the issues that I, you know, we've discussed. You know, sometimes I have a problem with the, the, um, the prequels. One of the things that was uh, great about that battle on Mustafar, you know, that you mentioned, was that it was just pure action. There was a few lines in the middle, a few lines at the end, and that was it. Um, this one definitely followed suit in that. In that there wasn't like you know, think back to the the original lightsaber battle in A New Hope. I mean, they're just two guys standing around talking to each other with swords. A couple of, yeah, a couple of lightsaber strikes. Yeah. Yeah. So they no, they it, definitely did definitely, a good job here. Yeah, I I think though, and it's something that you called out to Dom that I didn't even really notice up in, uh, until watching this. Hayden Christensen, you know, we we give him a lot of flack for some of his lines in Attack of the Clones and even in Revenge of the Sith, but his acting you know the way he portrays the role of darth vader the way he carries himself and the way he portrayed anakin skywalker especially on mustafar you know as having turned pure evil i think that's where he steals the show and that's where he shines and the same can be said here in this lightsaber battle there's so much emotion behind his acting even when he's not speaking absolutely and um you know i like you said rb i've i've shit on hayden christensen's acting in the past but after seeing this and his performance in this fight, specifically in this episode, um, I, I can never say anything again because he was it was it was masterful acting in this episode from him. I I was blown away quite quite honestly, and I love the parallels we get. I know Arbor, you haven't seen it, but Twilight of the Apprentice in uh, Rebels, Star Wars Rebels, um, we get a lot of parallels to that battle in in the season two finale of Rebels, um, including a line call back to i guess when the fight starts right where uh obi-wan says you know i'll do what i must just like when they started the fight on mustafar and then vader doesn't respond with the way that anakin responds in in the battle on mustafar when obi-wan says that he says you will try and um on in this fight vader says then you will die mm -hmm. which is what you know Sorry to spoil it for you, RB, but which is what Vader says in the finale of season two when he faces Ahsoka. And um, so he tells Ahsoka, you know, then you will die. So a little bit of a melding of these two fights together, two of Vader's greatest, you know, failures, I guess, you know, really closest relationships, closest friends that he has to face. So we get that parallel there. And I love the choreography. I love uh, all the... I, I felt like a prequel style of combat more so oh, than anything else. And you have Darth Vader. And I, I mean, I think obviously this is because the technology has advanced. Yeah. Uh, more so than, you know, oh, it's a different style of fighting than in, uh, you know, uh, The Empire Strikes Back when we see Darth Vader, you know, and Luke go at it. Or even in A New Hope when we see Darth Vader and the older, you know, Obi-Wan, Ben Kenobi 
yeah. battle for a few strikes. Uh, but Darth Vader is striking like Anakin, not like Darth Vader. They're not cool, calm, collected strikes. He's going like Anakin in Mustafar. He's striking with vengeance, with anger. And yeah, that very much felt like a prequel, a prequel lightsaber battle, which I love. And it all plays into the all plays into the line in A New Hope when he says, "Last time we met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master." Which yep. makes sense because once he becomes the master in A New Hope, his like you said, his strikes are calm, cool, collected. When he's fighting Luke in Empire Strikes Back, one-handed, you know, just striking him down with the pure mastery of the dark side. He doesn't need the you know the aggressiveness of Anakin Skywalker. He's cool and collected. Um, you're absolutely right, Arvian. They did a great job of displaying that in this fight. And, um, you know, I love the, the... Let's talk about the meaning of this fight. I think that the entire show was about Obi-Wan kind of... You know, he was upset that he had failed. And he couldn't overcome his, you know, his guilt, his, his grief for losing his friend, for failing his friend, for failing the Jedi and the entire galaxy, I guess. And... Um, as the show went on, he kind of, at the beginning, he had lost his connection to the Force, right, basically. Mm-hmm. And then as the show went on, he, it gained, it, it, he, it grew closer to him. I guess, I guess he gained stronger in the Force. Mm-hmm. And um, they kind of reveal, once Vader buries him alive with rocks, which was pretty <laughs> crazy, <laughs> did you really think you could beat me, Master? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's buried in these rocks, and then we get the reveal of the vision. And I think this is how it connects to the entire Star Wars series, and I want to know if you agree, RB. Where he's buried in these rocks, he's barely holding them up with the Force, and he's you know stronger than he was before, but he still wasn't fully ready, like a character says at the end. <laughs> um, but uh, he wasn't fully ready until he thinks of Leia. And I think that's what this whole show was about, is that... He sure he knew that Leia and Luke existed, and he knew that it was his duty to protect Luke, and he knew that Leia was out there, but he didn't really see them for as who they were. Mm-hmm. And I think when he got closer to Leia, and this is the whole argument that I've heard people argue before that it isn't Luke that is a new hope in the original Star Wars film. He is the main character, and he's the hero. But the whole reason the uh, original Star Wars trilogy starts is because of Leia. And Leia is a new hope. So what does he say when he's holding up the rocks? He, you can hear it under his breath. He says, Leia. And I think that the whole reason of this journey was because he got so close to Leia, she gave him a new hope and reconnected him to the Force. And that's eventually what causes him to overcome Darth Vader here in the end. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I see a bit of that. Now, I do have... Uh, an interesting take on it as well that that I think plays a lot into that because we see in the vision it's not just Leia he sees he does it is intercut with the few scenes we do see of Luke you know sitting on the the front door of the the Lars household you know pretending to be a starfighter and other times that he's just kind of peering at him from a distance and I think what my my thought in it was that because he is overseeing and you know helping Leia here overseeing Luke that he is not you know, failed Anakin Skywalker because he sees so much of Anakin in them. And I think there's an excellent scene here afterwards where we finally see Obi-Wan sort of get to his full force power and, you know, defeat Darth Vader. And of course, big mistake that when no one ever learns from in this series leaves him to die rather than killing him. <laughs> you know, no Mortal Kombat, finish him. Just walk <laughs> yeah. away. 
<laughs> you know, where Anakin or Darth Vader with half the mask off, which I think is one of the coolest imageries I've seen in the Star Wars, Star Wars universe says, you know, you, you didn't fail me. You didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I did. And yeah, one of my favorite scenes in Star Wars yeah. history right there. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. It was terrifying. The like the look that Hayden Christensen gave behind that mask. Like at first I I, I was dude, I must have watched it twenty five times after I I've watched it. I just kept rewinding and rewatching it after yeah. I finished the episode. Yeah. Because I mean the the way it starts off is, you know, I love the like, cinema from a cinematography standpoint. The red and the blue mix, showing like yep. the mix between Anakin's light and dark. At first, when you look at his eyes, his eye isn't the Sith eye that we see, you know, the, the red and yellow eye. It's yeah. Anakin's old eye when he first, the mask, when his face is first revealed behind the mask, it's Anakin's old eye. And that's why Obi-Wan says, Anakin, you know, I'm sorry for everything. Mm. And then he looks at him closer, and then that he says that, you know, that incredible line, yeah. you know, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did. And his eye turns yellow. And yep. he smiles behind the mask. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit. That was one of the most evil and terrifying moments I've seen in Star Wars, honestly. Because that kind of blended it together. Because, like, you know, we've talked about it before. We've seen Anakin. We've seen Darth Vader. But up to this point, we really, there was no connective tissue besides what you could think about in your mind. Okay, yeah, behind the mask, that guy's Anakin Skywalker. Right. But in this right. one, it was like a blending. It was a whole, and the whole thing with the voice, the the meshing of Anakin's voice and James Earl Jones' voice as Darth Vader. It was like when he says "I did," it sounded like a whole nother, like he was oh, possessed. Yeah. It was yep. so crazy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and you know, that's what we can assume. You know, if it weren't for Mustafar, what Darth Vader would have been? I mean, we see Anakin turned as Darth Vader on Mustafar. Um, and, you know, with the, the red eyes. And, and that's what the idea was. You know, it wasn't for him to become Darth Vader. It's just he was defeated and mm-hmm. now needs a suit to, to continue to live. Uh, now, <laughs> I like I when Obi-Wan have... lifts up the rocks, too. <laughs> yes, very neat scene where he's able to lift all of the rocks. That's when we know he's back. He has all of the power of the Force back. Uh, now, there is a, a scene right after that, though, once Darth Vader is defeated, uh, after he's... He says, you know, I, I did, you know, killed mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker. First time we see Obi-Wan refer to him, he says, all right, Darth, or something along those lines. And the first time we've seen him, seen Obi-Wan sort of put up the white flag and say, okay, Anakin Skywalker is dead. This yeah. is Darth Vader. Absolutely. It, the whole start of the series was almost it felt like Obi-Wan trying to save Darth Vader still. Yeah. As we want, knew he wanted to do with uh, with – Anakin Skywalker. He wanted yeah. to save Anakin Skywalker uh, in Revenge of the Sith. And I think at this point he realizes that this is no longer Anakin Skywalker. And I think that's a powerful scene, even though it's just two or three words spoken by uh, by Ewan McGregor here. His friend is truly gone. He says it yep. himself, you know. And um, I think that was a great uh, scene as well. And um, yeah, like he, he just kind of leaves him to die. That's I, I guess he didn't leave him to die. I guess he just kind of abandons him and, and walks away because he knew that there's no saving him. It wasn't like he left him to die or like he didn't kill him. It was just like, I'm done here. And well, like you I, said, I, he says Darth. I did have a, a question here, though. Yeah. Because if I recall correctly, and it's been a while since I've watched Return of the Jedi, probably the longest, of the, the furthest removed from any Star Wars that I've watched, maybe that or Phantom Menace. Okay. I thought it was established that as soon as the suit came off, Anakin, Darth Vader would die. 
I thought that was established because isn't that why he, you know, why Luke doesn't want to take off his mask so Darth Vader can look on his son for with his own eyes? But here, yeah. you know, the the suit is destroyed, which I thought was his life support system. And I think he it was barely functioning, just barely enough to keep him alive. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Okay, that was my one uh, another you know a small nitpick to me doesn't yeah. take away from the story. Yeah. So I can ask questions as a Star Wars super fan here, but to me still you know just know it's a ten out of ten either way. Absolutely. I'm, I'm just looking here for little small plot holes and whatnot. And another little nitpick I had too, but a positive <laughs> nitpick in that is that you know like you said he walks away and he says okay he says goodbye Darth or something goodbye, like that. Goodbye Darth. Yes. I think that's what he says. Um, and he calls him Darth. And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Why do you call him Darth? And then I remembered, because I was like, why wouldn't he say Vader? Or why wouldn't he say goodbye, Darth Vader? Or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. why would he say Darth? And then I remembered in A New Hope when Alec Guinness, as Obi-Wan Kenobi, meets Darth Vader for the, you know, re- re-meets him for the first time in the A New Hope. He says, um, you know, when, when we last met, I was but the learner. Now I'm the master. And then Obi-Wan responds, only a master of evil, Darth. So that connected it for me i was yeah, like okay, okay yeah that yeah. makes sense yeah which is it's just that. it and and that's uh you know i think that's kind of a callback to the prequels because you know our, our frustration with it is a callback to the prequels because we don't call him darth we call him sidious you know right we don't call him uh you know no one called darth plagueis the few times he's mentioned Darth, they said, Pla- Darth Plagueis. So yes, exactly. That's, I think, where, where we are frustrated with it. You know, there yeah. wasn't any other Darth besides Darth Vader in the original trilogy. Yeah, and usually Darth is, uh, like, you know, all these Darth, the, the pre, pre, I guess, sub-prefix of prefix, Darth, yeah. I yeah. guess, is, is just, you know, a term that you use for Sith Lord. So I guess, mm-hmm. in a way, that kind of carries meaning as well, that, you know, he calls him Darth, meaning, okay, fine. There's no Jedi left in you. You're a right. Sith now. Right. And I, I think it's like the equivalent of Obi of Anakin still referring to Obi-Wan as master. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, th- th- that was a crazy scene. And um, one thing that I would have, I uh, think, might have explained why Obi-Wan left him there, although they didn't really need to, is that I wish that the Luke in danger flash that he had, you know, yeah. happened before he left. Then yeah. So that would explain why he was running away. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. But it, the way they did it, it was fine too. So he's already in his ship. He sees the he's he's flying away from the planet, and he sees oh shit, I gotta get to Luke. He's in trouble. And then we get the scene with Reva where Luke she brings Luke to him, and Luke's alive. And then we get to some pretty big crazy stuff that happens here at the end. Our final scene with Darth Vader. We get the return of Ian McDermott as the Emperor, which I did not see coming. I thought he wouldn't be in this. But we get a great little scene here where he says, you know, Obi-Wan is dead to me. And I thought that was really awesome, and I love seeing the Emperor back in this uh, show. Not in Rise of Skywalker. I, I wish they still wouldn't have brought him back, but yeah, <laughs> that's I, another I, I discussion. I hear you. I hear you. But <laughs> either way, um, I, I was very excited to see this sequence as well as, is this the first time we see on, in live action Darth Vader's palace or... No, we, we saw it at the beginning of, of this series. Okay. On, and on in Rogue That's One right. as well. That's right. Okay, I was wondering where I had seen it before because I knew what that was, but I, I, I just think I, I think that's an awesome sequence, an awesome yeah. scene. I mean, even even though I'm sure it's all CG, just like the yeah. the, the Fortress Inquisitoris. Yeah. Um, I think those are really cool settings to, to have put on live, live action. I know it's not cinema, but you know yeah. what I'm talking about. 
Awesome. Um, I, I love the the what, do you, what what would you call that? Arc not arch what is it? Yeah, ar architecture. Yeah. Architecture, yeah. yeah. That is really cool. Uh -huh. Um so and then we get uh you know a little bit of a closing sequence here with Obi-Wan, he packs up his cave. He decides that Owen and Baru and Luke should leave and lead a normal life without his protection, you know. Owen can protect him enough. Yeah, Luke should just a be a boy. Yep. He'll go off and train on his own, and he meets Luke, which I didn't know if that was going to happen because I wasn't sure if they had met before, and mm -hmm. I guess he does meet Luke, and he says the famous line. He says, hello there. Hello there. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, and he yeah. sounds just like Alec Guinness when he says that. Very much It was so. really great. Now, and, um, yeah. I, I know, to me, this aligns well with A New Hope because – Obviously, Luke, when he gets the transmission from R2-D2, you know, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi. Oh, I wonder if that's old Ben Kenobi. He has a familiarity with who that is. Now, you had told it, me, that makes and sense. I haven't watched Rebels yet, but you said Luke and Obi-Wan obviously show up in Rebels. Does that track with the Rebels storyline as well? Yeah, it does. They, they could it, have met prior to that? Yeah, it, it does. And, you know, at, in Rebels, Obi-Wan is kind of still like, you know, he's off in the distance, you know, just watching from afar. And the one scene we see of Luke is very similar to what we see in Obi-Wan Kenobi. He's just, you know, running around and you hear him laughing like a little kid. And that's it. Okay. So okay. you don't, no, no lines, no, uh, you know, interaction of any sort. So in, we would assume that. that this is the only meeting they have had until Correct. they meet again on A New Hope when Ben, Obi-Wan, Alec Guinness comes and rescues him from the, the Sand People. Yes, correct. Absolutely. So... I mean, that was great. And then we get, they're not going to leave us without one last big reveal. We get Obi-Wan riding into the desert to complete his Jedi training. And we, I was, honestly, I squealed when I saw this happen. Mm -hmm. We get the Force Ghost of Qui-Gon Jinn. Yep. Liam Neeson himself returns to talk with Obi-Wan and teach him the ways of the Force. I was in shock. I was honestly flabbergasted. <laughs> Again, this one left me with some questions, though. Yeah. Because I thought we had established, and I know that in Revenge of the Sith, Yoda says, you know, uh, an old master able to contact the Force. I thought we had established, though, in Clone Wars that Qui-Gon did not learn how to do that, that Master Yoda was the first person who learned how to do that. On that whole journey in the season, I think that was the season five finale. Well, how I, the reason that Yoda knew to go to that planet and learn all that was because Qui-Gon contacted him through a force ghost but not through a force ghost it was through the little the little lights that he followed oh uh, okay so i i thought we were we were just going to get a voice of qui-gon not him as a force ghost i'm i'm still happy we got to see liam neeson though honestly that was i mean badass. the fact that it was liam neeson yeah i mean he is one of the few redeeming factors of, and i, I of love his events. line i love yeah. his line too is like you I was always here. Long, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, even before that, I like when yeah. he first seen, it took you long enough. Yeah, it totally yeah. brought me back to episode one. I was like, oh yep. yeah, this guy, like he picked it up right where he left off. He knew he knew exactly who he wanted to be. Yep. And um, yeah, and he's like, he's like, yeah, um, you weren't ready. I was always here, but you just weren't ready to see. And that was what the whole meaning of the show was, was Obi-Wan accepting the Force, coming back to what he was, and learning to be a Jedi again. Yep. So I ended it on a perfect note for me, at least, and I, I loved it. Yeah, one, one more small nitpick was the the coming back to Leia. Like I said, for me, it oh tracks, yeah, I remember that. It tracks that Obi Wan, you know, knew Luke or Luke knew Obi Wan of some sort. I think going back though, in A New Hope, I still feel as if 
when Leia is giving the message to R2-D2 that help me when, help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. You fought alongside my father during the Clone Wars. I just get a feeling from that that as Carrie Fisher is acting it, she's sending a message to someone she's never met. And for her, you know, Leia and Obi-Wan to have this much of a relationship, even though it's only over, what, a, a month or two weeks span, I feel like that would be lasting and it wouldn't be help me Obi-Wan Kenobi, let me introduce myself. It'd be Obi-Wan, you you helped me escape, you know, all those I, years ago. I know I know I we're know. going back and forth. Yeah. But just, yeah. I totally get what you're saying too. And then I also remembered another reaction scene that kind of softened me on that a little bit. You know, I could forgive that, you know, um, that the, like you were saying, the way Carrie Fisher played in the message because when we get the famous line, Luke, goes to rescue Leia, and she says, aren't you a little short for a stormtrooper? Then he goes, oh yeah, sorry, takes off the helmet, right? And then what does he say next? I'm here to rescue you. I'm here with Ben Kenobi, or Obi-Wan Kenobi, or whatever he says. Right. No, he says Obi-Wan Kenobi. Yes, he does. He says, he says, I'm here with Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then what does she say? Ben Kenobi, where is he? So like, you know, to me, that means like, oh, she wants to see her old friend again. So I can kind of put that together. I I always read into it. She was excited because her message got to him. Right. But yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. You could read it. However, you know, you, it kind of, they're, they leave it ambiguous enough where you could kind of connect the dots for yourself. And I like the final speech that Obi-Wan gave to Leia about, you know, you have, you know, these qualities (laughs) from Padme, you have these qualities from your father. And I thought that was great. I I liked the, it wrapped up their storyline. Great. And I think the strongest part of this of this show, besides everything with Darth Vader, was the connection between Obi Wan and the young Leia. Yeah, I I agree very much so, and the breakout performance by young Leia as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, with that said, where can we go from here, RB? Because RB says that they will be doing a season two. I I don't think they're going to, but RB says they they are. What what's the verdict on this, RB? Well, I think they really set it up for it. So I think if we have a season two, obviously uh, Liam Neeson will have to be a major role as a force goes. Obi-Wan continuing to train to become, I, I think train in a different way. You know, he had been training so long to be a Jedi Knight and Jedi Master. And I think now he's going to be trained more to be in touch with the force and become more wise with the force as we see Alec Guinness. I, I think I would like to see an extension on Reva's character Maybe Reva stays on Tatooine and Obi-Wan trains her back towards the Force. Um, I'd like to see her struggles because I struggle with Reva's character as well. Can she be redeemed for all the the bad things she's done? Because she's, I mean, a stone-cold bad person as we see her as an Inquisitor in the opening sequences of this show. So, I mean, those those are definitely my hopes. Maybe, maybe some evolution of Leia as well. And then, of course, I'd like to see more of... Darth Vader continuing to grow, Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker continuing to die. Because I think there is some of Anakin in Obi-Wan. I mean, we see those flashback sequences. And I think personally, you know, Anakin, Darth Vader looks back on them fondly. Even though he fails in them, he looks back on those memories fondly. And so I'd like to see a little bit more of that and some involvement with the Emperor. Maybe even a, you know, we had discussed before this, a show that were to feature young Darth Vader rather than a, say, a season two of Kenobi like they did with Book of Boba Fett, which was kind of an offshoot of uh, Mandalorian, kind of its own show. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to say like that, RB. I'm going to say I don't know if I want to see... I definitely don't want to see Obi-Wan and Vader fight again because I feel like that was fully satisfied. We're good on that. 
I wouldn't mind seeing some Obi-Wan being trained by Qui-Gon Jinn, but then again, I feel like we don't need to see Leia anymore. Luke's storyline is good, you know, wrapped up. Leia's storyline is good and wrapped up. The only storyline that I want to see more of is Darth Vader. So like you said, RB, I'd rather see a show all about Darth Vader. And I want to get some stuff from, you know, the extended universe, from the comics, from the books and novels. I want to see some of that stuff happen. But have Craig Christensen as Darth Vader be in the show. I want to see him maybe even narrate Darth Vader's thoughts so we don't have to use James Earl Jones only, you know, when he's talking as Darth Vader. But maybe inside Vader's head, his voice is still Anakin Skywalker's and he's narrating the entire series. So I'd like very, to see yeah, Darth very Vader. Very much so. And yeah. even, even so with Darth Vader having, I mean, what? There were 10 years between this show and the start uh, uh, this show and uh, Revenge of the Sith, right? Exactly. So maybe even the evolution prior to this show of you know Hayden Christensen maybe struggling with the death of Padme. I mean, that wasn't even touched here. I think, and I think that's such a major plot point at the very end of uh, Revenge of the Sith that isn't even touched on when he, you know, when the Emperor says to him, you know, you killed her in a fit of rage. Right. Let's get more on that. Let's get more about his grief, his descent into darkness, like you said. I'd like, so like, you know how they have this one is titled Obi-Wan Kenobi? Let's just get a show titled Darth Vader. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Very much so. So, with that said, um, one other show that I am also looking forward to, RB, and, you know, this final scene here at the end gave me my Qui-Gon Jinn fix, but I need more. I want more Qui-Gon Jinn. I want more Count Dooku, and I want to see what happened in the past with them. So, we will be getting the answers to that, along with the entire backstory of Ahsoka and a lot more Ahsoka in Star Wars Tales of the Jedi, coming soon to Disney+, Plus with the art style of the Clone Wars. So I am looking very forward to that as well. Have you heard of that show, RB? I have not, no. But, I, I mean, from the sound of it, I'm very excited for it. Now that I'm caught up with Kenobi and done, I'm probably going to start Rebels as well. Yeah, and it sounds like it's going to be three episodes of Ahsoka. And that it's only six episodes as far as I know. And it's going to be three episodes of Ahsoka and, like, her whole, like, when she was young, how she became a Jedi, her backstory. And then it's going to be three episodes all about Yoda training Count Dooku and Count Dooku training uh, Qui-Gon Jinn. Yep. yep. So that is going to be what that show is about. So I hope to get my fix of Qui-Gon Jinn a little bit more in that show, um, as well as we're going to get new Bad Batch coming soon. We got a lot of Star Wars um, Mandalorian Andor. Season 3. Andor is coming soon too, correct? Exactly, Andor. Yep. So Star Wars is not over yet, even though Kenobi is over. This was the most anticipated show for a long time, but we still have a little bit left over to keep the hype going. So, uh, yeah. I think that we can call it there. RB, you want to take us out? Yeah, well, we'll just remind you as well. Next week we'll be dropping our Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1 review. Yep. Uh, we also have a Jurassic World uh, Dominion review that we'll be dropping soon. We're waiting to drop that for another couple of days. And then potentially a review of Lightyear as well. I uh, had the chance to see it. Excited to hear when you see it, Dom, what your thoughts are on that. Uh, the next, The latest in many... Uh, Pixar, Disney Pixar films that I I thought, well, I'll save those thoughts for later. Uh, But yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, be sure, you know, thanks for listening. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify uh, on the the, uh, servers that let you leave us a five-star review, leave us a comment, you know, what you thought of this show as a whole, of this finale. Did you agree with us? What more do you want to see in the Star Wars world? We love hearing from our fans. You can let us know on Twitter as well. You can find Dom at 
D-O-M-G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-S 48 on Twitter. And you can find me at RB with the call. All right, yeah, so tune in next week for Stranger Things Part 1 Review. And if you want more from Top of the List, you can check out our previous reviews as well as, like RB said, we're going to be posting at the same time Jurassic World Dominion. So you can go check that one out right now and catch us there. See you next time. Later. Later, everybody.